0: Thanks for joining us today at City Life. We believe today's message will empower you and point you towards Jesus. But remember, that church is so much more than a message you listen to. It's a living, breathing community that we invite you to be a part of. We hope to see you on a Sunday morning at City Life, in person or online. Uh, My name is JD, I'm part of the pastoral team at City Life and we're gonna kick off a new series today, uh, which is really good. And it's going to be awesome. And as we jump in, there's going to be a lot of Bible today. Like, oh man, I put the media guys to work today and it's going to be great. Uh, it is, seriously. Um, when people ask me, okay, I'm new to faith or I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get into my Bible and stuff, where should I start reading? Now, normally when we read a book, we start at the beginning. That's just normal. And yet with the Bible, you, you can do that. But I always recommend, just personally, I'm always like, you know what, start reading the Gospel of John. If you jump into the New Testament, you read the Gospel of John, you're going to get a really good picture of who Jesus is, and that's important because everything in the Bible, before and after, points to him. He's the central focus of everything and what it unlocks and the kingdom of God and, and everything. we got to understand the significance of this. And so I always encourage people, start in John. And so this series, Jesus Is, is going to focus on the book of John. And I want to encourage you as well, you know, this month, read the book of John. It's 21 chapters. Uh, it's powerful. Uh, You can read it. Actually, starting today, the Voltage, like our our elementary kids, they are uh, doing the Bible challenge for this month is to read the book of John themselves, and they get candy at the end of the month if they do it. So if you want to read the book of John, and you want to come at the end of the month and say, I I read it, maybe I'll give you candy. (laughs) Why not? Uh, So what makes John a good place to start? I got a quote here. Uh, This is from a book, Mysteries of the Messiah by Rabbi Sobel. And it says, there are more explicit statements about Jesus's deity or godhood in John than in all the other gospels combined. John's gospel is also unique in its inclusion of Jesus's seven I am statements, which provide the reader with a clear picture of Jesus's unique identity. So I am was a phrase that's like copyright, trademark, God. That was his thing. I am who I am. I am is a big statement, and the Jews knew this, that culturally, uh, that was really significant. And uh, Jesus actually uses that and then gives what he is. He does this seven times in, uh, in the book of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the vine. And so today today we're going to chapter camp, okay? We're going to chapter camp on John 6. And we're going to go through John 6 and uh, and really dive into this. Now, Jesus' ministry at this time is in full swing. I got some visuals to help with this, but you know, if you if you're reading John chapter one, he's gathering his disciples. Okay, he's starting to get all his disciples together and uh, and just gather them all together. In chapter two, he's performing his first miracle at a wedding in Cana, water into wine. Chapter three, he meets with a Pharisee he, and describes the kingdom of God. John three sixteen. Anybody? Right. Uh, chapter four, he's breaking cultural barriers with a Samaritan woman, uh, announcing he is the Messiah. He's starting to get the word out. Chapter five. He heals a lame man by the pool. Uh, Chapter 6, he walks on water, and he feeds the 5,000. Now, if you want to see all those stories come to life, I have a personal recommendation. Some of you will not be surprised by this. You can watch The Chosen. (laughs) I love this show so much. This is, you can watch it for free. It is uh, a powerful, powerful TV show. Uh, just that really unpacking, um, just a great depiction of Jesus and what it would have been to, like to be a follower in his time. Now, I don't I'm not getting paid for that. Like they're not giving me royalties or anything. Um, I think the reason I was thinking about it, the reason I love this show, and the reason I'm like I beg people to watch it, um, not because it is Bible and even they'll say it's like it's we're just trying to. Paint a picture. Just get us in the culture, and that's I think what resonates with me is when I read my Bible, I want to like I want to be there. I want to know like what is it? How is this relevant to me? The Bible wasn't written to me. It was written a thousand years ago, but it was written for me. And so context and culture matters. I don't know what it's like to grow up in a Jewish home. I don't know what that culture is like in some way. But when I can start to see what it's like to be in the moment, it helps me, it helps the Word of God come alive so much more. That's how I function. Maybe that's how you function. So I love getting into the Word and trying to do that. And so that's actually what I want to do today, is I want you to just like put yourself in the place of a Jewish crowd that has been Hearing about this, this Jesus of Nazareth, this, this person who can apparently heal and uh, who is doing miracles and talking about the kingdom of God, and he's, he's stirring up trouble wherever he goes, And, and but there's this interest and this, this intrigue, and I want you today to be part of the crowd. We're going we're gonna to look at a story of Jesus and a crowd, and I want you to be in that crowd. How would you feel when he says some of the things he says? How would it impact you? What would be going through your mind, your heart? Stuff I got. And so we're going we're gonna to jump into John chapter 6. I'm going to highlight just a few things first, and then we're going to camp on a, uh, the last half of it. Uh, John 6 verse 1 says, uh, Jesus made his way to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which some these days call the Sea of Tiberias. As Jesus walked, a large crowd pursued him, hoping to see new signs and miracles. His healing of the sick and lame were garnering great attention. Okay, so Jesus wants to feed people uh, all, and, and all they can find. So they're, they're all coming to him, and he's like, you, maybe you've heard the story, maybe you haven't, but feeding of the 5,000, okay, everybody sit down. You guys are the crowd, sit down. Uh, we're going to figure out food. Jesus says, hey, feed them. They're like, we, don't, we got, this kid has five loaves and two fishes. He's like, great, I can use that. And out of nothing, he essentially makes something. And so he takes this and multiplies it and is able to feed everybody. Verse 14, after witnessing this sign that Jesus did, the, the people stirred in conversation. This man must be the prophet God said was coming into the world. Now Jesus sensed the people were planning to mount a revolution against Israel's Roman occupiers and make him king. So he withdrew further up the mountain. So right when it's like, he's like, oh, here it comes. They're going to give me my car. He takes off. He's like, I'm not here for what you want. I've got something bigger. So I don't want you to put me in a little box of what you think I'm here to do. So he doesn't let them. He jets. Now the disciples all leave. They cross the Sea uh, of Galilee. They're going to Capernaum on the other side. Uh, Jesus has stayed behind. But then halfway through, the storms are going. Jesus walks on water which just always will resonate with me, just the, the it, it, if, it's, if you're just like, that's impossible. That's the point, you guys. Like, that's the point. He was showing that he was master over everything. And, and cult- Jewish culture back then especially, you would have been terrified of the sea. You would have had a respect for it, even if you were the one working on the sea. You had a very healthy respect for the sea. It represented like evil and the uncontrollable. And then Jesus controls it. You know what that implies? Jesus is God. So he is, he's doing some big things. He gets in with them. They go across. And the people who are at the feeding of the 5,000, they're still following him. So they, they come around. They catch up to him at Capernaum, okay? And, and they've been following him after everything he's been doing. And so here's the interaction we're going to camp on for the rest of the time and discover a deeper meaning of who Jesus is and what this means for our lives. All right. <clears throat> so verse 26 is where we're going to start Jesus says, I tell you the truth, you are tracking me down because I fed you, not because you saw signs from God. Okay, now if Jesus says, I tell you the truth, he's literally the only person in the history of the world who can say that, and you know, bless you, you know that that's true. <laughs> Jesus is the only one, because he never lies, he is always integrous, and so what, if he's saying, hey, I tell you the truth, that, that means something, and he's, he's about to say, hey, this is what you need to know, and he's saying, you're tracking me down because I fed you. Jesus actually does know our hearts. We sometimes like to um, put motives on people. This is why you're doing this. Jesus actually knows the hearts of the people. And so he's right in saying at this time, you're not here because you think I'm the Messiah or whatever. You are just following me because I fed you. You're following me because I fed you. So we have to start. I want you to put yourself in this group. You are not a bunch of spiritual deep believers right now. You guys, all of us, we are a bunch of mooches. Okay? We are mooches this morning. Now, I'm sure you've had this. I can remember, uh, I, I remember there was a time I, I'm, I'm sitting down, I'm eating my lunch, I got some pizza, and one of the younger kids comes over and uh, just sits by me. Oh, so nice. Just in my presence. And they're sitting there, and they're just like, I love pizza. Pizza's my favorite. And if I had a piece of pizza right now, I would be so happy, and I'm just like, nice. You know, I was like, you're not getting nothing. You, I know what you're doing. You're not here to be with me. You just want what I have. No, no, no. <laughs> we all know what it's like to be a mooch. And so, you know, even a question we could ask ourselves here at the start is, are you following Jesus or attending church because you believe he is Lord and you want to follow him, or, are you, or do you just want another free meal? And that's for you to resonate or let, let that sit with, but are we following him because of who he is, or are we just looking for a handout? So, we might say, you know, Jesus, oh, you know how you healed this person, man. I'll keep coming because maybe you'll do the same for me. Now, that's fine. We can pray and believe for those things. But that shouldn't be the reason where it's like, are you going to do it for me? Are you going to, in fact, I don't know if I'll follow you if you don't do it. So, you know, but, oh, I'm here and it's worship. I got to feel the spiritual tingles. God, if you don't give me the tingles, is this even worth it? We often are mooching and just wanting something. And Jesus is really going to, that's what we're going to deal with today. So, verse 27 he keeps going, he said, don't spend your life chasing food that spoils and rots. Instead, seek the food that lasts into all the ages and comes from the Son of Man, <clears throat> the one on whom God the Father has placed his seal. Now, he also said this differently in uh, Matthew's account. So we got the, John's account of Jesus' life, Matthew. Matthew 4, 4, maybe you've heard this. Man does not live on bread alone, okay? Man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So, he is trying to get at a deeper truth here today. Physical food doesn't last. It's not enough, but what God gives lasts forever. Verse 28. What do we have to do to accomplish the Father's works? Well, if you want to do God's work, then believe in the one He sent. So, people want to please God with good works. They're like, oh, okay, so if I just do this, I'll get this. This is kind of their train of thought right now. Maybe this is your current train of thought, or maybe that's been your train of thought at some point in your journey with Jesus. And Jesus' response, he contradicts his thinking. What does God require? Trust in Jesus. Oh, that's not like a physical, tangible thing I gotta do to earn it. Like, I, what do you mean just trust in Jesus? Or trust in, in God and what he's doing? And the crowd, again, you, we're just not getting it. So he keeps going in verse 30 and 31. Can you, so the crowd's like, uh, can you show us a miraculous sign? Something spectacular. You know, if we, Jesus, I'm just saying, if we see something like that, it would really help us to believe. Our fathers ate manna when they wandered in a desert. The Hebrew scriptures say he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Okay, so what, 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 are, we, what are we really saying? It's like, Oh, so we just have to believe? Well, I don't know if that's really the reason I'm here. But you know, you know, Jesus, what would help us believe? Bread. You want to give us some more bread? If you were to, if, I love, I love bread. You know, if I had bread right now, it would just make things so much better. They are not getting it. They're not getting it. Um, And Jesus is like, what the heck, guys? Like, the Messiah is right here, and you're asking for a a meal, for a snack. It's time to show you what you really want. So, he's going to say again, I tell you the truth. He says this four times in this conversation. Every time he's saying, I tell you the truth, it means, pay attention. Pay attention. I tell you the truth. So, I tell you the truth. Moses did not give you bread from heaven, it is my Father who offers you true bread from heaven. The bread of God comes down out of heaven and breathes life into the cosmos, okay? So now, it's going to get more confusing and more vague as we go along, but just wait. Because, again, you're sitting there and you're like, I'm sorry, bread from the cosmos. What are we, I, I, can I just have sourdough? Like, that sounds great to me. Um, my son, Xander, his favorite restaurant is Pacini's in Calgary. It's this Italian place, and he loves it because... They have an all-you-can-eat bread bar, okay? All these different types of breads and like pesto butter and normal butter, garlic butter and uh, sun-dried tomato butter, and you put it on and you smear it on and you put it on, they've got a big slab there that cooks it, just toasts it, Oh, and he'll like, he'll pound off a loaf, like he'll just eat that bread, all I can eat bread, that's all he wants. And I think we could be the same way, it's like, oh yeah, do you hear what he said? He said, he's talking about bread. He gives all this bread. We, Master, we want a boundless supply of this bread. Come on, all we can eat, right? Jesus sighs. They still don't get it. Okay, time to be as clear as possible. And here's where, here's where it all comes down to. This is the culmination right here. Jesus says, I am the bread that gives life. Jesus, we just want bread. <clears throat> T- attention, everyone. I am the bread that gives life. Okay, here we go. Food that I'm talking about, it's a person, not a product. And what you can find in me, it's not a temporary fix. It's eternal satisfaction. Jesus is man's necessary food. Jesus is bread. So you are sitting in the audience and you're like, so you're bread. Okay. Now, something is important. Is actually really happening here. He's not just deciding, "Hey, I'm made out of carbs or whatever." He's he's got a point here. We need to see the significance. Let's talk about bread. Didn't he use smell fresh bread? Out of curiosity, am I driving anyone mad? Some of you guys over there by the soundboard, especially all of them. I've, there's been bread cooking for hours now. Uh, just because I wanted to. If you can smell great, if not, that's fine. But the idea is, bread has significance now. Uh, And don't worry, I'll bring it tonight to family supper if you come, you can have some bread. Uh, In Western culture, bread is often optional and quite often frowned upon. Uh, Do you have a gluten-free option, right? (laughs) Not making fun of you. I've been there. I've done that stuff too. Um, Bread's almost like a dirty word in North American culture, but that's not bread's fault, okay? We have tainted bread. We have overprocessed processed it. We've done this. We've robbed all the nutritional value. There's things. But in context of when and where this conversation was happening, all right, bread was an essential staple food. Bread comes up a lot in the Bible, actually. It's laid out daily in the holy place of the tabernacle and a temple as a sacrifice and offering. Abraham used it to entertain guests. King David demanded bread for his troops. Abigail used bread as a peace offering gift. The devil tried to tempt Jesus while fasting with bread. Not prime rib, bread. Okay. The early church broke bread together. Bread is all throughout history of the Bible. Now, bread was an important part of the Jewish Passover meal as well, something they celebrated coming out of Egypt. Okay, the Jews ate unleavened bread. It's called matzah. I got a picture of that. Uh, this is, uh, like, what it's like. Now, there's lots of symbolism here as you look at that picture. Uh, there are brown stripes. The brown stripes represent the lashings of slave drivers' whips on Hebrew slaves. So this, this bread was, like, symbolic. Yeah. Uh, It was pierced with holes, kind of perforated, and it was designed to be broken apart. Maybe you already see the symbolism. It points prophetically to the promised Messiah that hundreds of years before Jesus in Isaiah 53, it said, he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed they really valued symbolism, significance, or whatever. And and we're going to see some more of that right here. So bread held a place of honor and importance to Jews. And another important type of bread was something that Jesus had already referred to himself as, the bread from heaven. Now, they would have all known what that meant because the story had been told by all their ancestors of how coming out of Egypt, they were given bread from heaven called manna. In the book of Exodus. The Israelites have been slaves for 400 years under Pharaoh uh, in Egypt, and finally, I mean, it's a whole story, uh, but they they are freed from Pharaoh. They're freed out of slavery, becoming their own people. And you can relate to this because you've had your own exodus moment if you follow Jesus. There has been a time where you have been a slave to sin, the Bible describes it this way, and you were freed from slavery and brought into a promised land of a relationship with Jesus and into something bigger, his kingdom. And so, we can relate to this. The hungry Israelites, they grumbled, and yet a loving God responded, saying he would rain bread from heaven. Exodus 16 says this, the community of Israel decided to name this mysterious bread that would, this substance that would come down. They called it manna, which means, and they're so clever. It means, what is it? (laughs) What should we call this, you guys? I don't know, what is it? Sure, let's go with that. Uh, It was like uh, coriander seed, and it tasted sweet like honey wafers. So, but here's the thing, God only provided enough for every person to have what they needed for that day. He took too much. Next day, it was all maggots and whatever. He was testing them. but uh, at, at, And then Friday, he would give a double portion because they didn't work on the Sabbath. And so uh, he would give them just what they needed. So he took care of their needs, but he was testing Israel to see, would they faithfully obey God and his provision? Now, bread has significance, and we need to understand the context. It will help us reveal great depth. And by equating himself to bread, okay, we camped on bread for a few minutes, by saying, I am the bread of life, he uh, is saying, I am essential to life. There was a reason he chose bread as his example. Back to the story. So, John 6:35, I am the bread that gives life. If you come to my table and eat, you will never go hungry. Believe in me, and you will never go thirsty. Okay, so he's made his big statement, I am the bread of life. Now he's going to make it super weird uh, in a good way, okay? Now it's, like, you better dial in. Like, if you're the crowd... You're already a little confused, and he's going to make things stranger and harder to comprehend. But this is also what's going to determine who's leaning in and who's still just waiting for the... Sorry, when, when does he pass out the bread? At what point in his message does he pause and just start checking bread? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just hungry, wherever we're at. So come and believe, he says. If you come to my table and eat, you'll never go hungry. If you believe in me, you'll never go thirsty. So coming to Jesus involves making a choice. I'm going to forsake the world. I'm going to follow him. I am coming to where he is and who he is. I'm believing in Jesus means I am placing my faith in him, that he is who he says he is, he will do what he says he'll do, and he's the only one who can. These are big statements. Come and believe. They're not simple little things. Come, like, fully come on in. Don't just wander around and see, like, be part of this and fully believe and invest your life in me. Jesus also mentions that if you come, you won't go hungry, and if you believe, you won't go thirsty, which resonates with what he said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, which you can also watch on The Chosen. Uh, Jesus says, (laughs) blessed are those who hunger and thirst. For sourdough? No. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied, okay? So Jesus is saying, you're hungry, you're thirsty, but it's not just for food. It's for something more, something bigger in this world. And you want that? I will satisfy you. I'm bread. And the Jews just continue to stare. You're bread. So he keeps going. Oh, you guys. Verse 36. Here I am, standing in front of you, and still you don't believe. You guys, I mean, you've been waiting hundreds of years for the Messiah. I'm right here, and you're not getting it. Jesus is disappointed because he recognized the crowd is either twisting Jesus' mission, right? He knew that. They were like, we're going to start a revolution, and he's going to free us from Rome. So he, they're trying to twist his mission, or they're demanding more evidence. More, Jesus. Bread, bread, show us bread. We just care about the bread. Show us you can do. Do a fancy trick for us, Jesus. <laughs> dance, monkey, dance, right? Like, <sighs> but the one thing they haven't done is acknowledge their hunger or thirst for something deeper. They've done all this other stuff, but they haven't acknowledged that. And Jesus is saying, you need to confess your need and believe in me, because I'm right here. Verse 37. Uh, He says, all that my Father gives to me comes to me. I will receive everyone. I will not send away anyone who comes to me. And here's the reason. I have come down from heaven not to pursue my own agenda, but to do what he desires. I am here on behalf of the Father who sent me. He sent me to care for all he has given me so that nothing and no one will, will perish. In the end, on the last day, he wants everything to be resurrected into new life. So he lays out his heavenly purpose. He's actually getting pretty deep now. It's hard, you know, the crowd is either with him or they're not. They're, they're, they're leaning in. What is he really trying to say here? God wants you to be saved and he wants to make all things new. He loves you. He wants to do something bigger and I'm a part of that. That's a reason I'm here. So then he continues in verse 40. So if you want to know the will of the Father, know this. Everyone who sees the Son and believes in Him will live eternally and on the last day I am the one who will resurrect Him. See me. Believe in me. Your salvation is guaranteed. We're going to be together forever. And everyone immediately repented. (laughs) I wish. No. No. In fact it gets worse. Verse 41. Some of the Jews began to grumble quietly against him because he said, I'm the bread that came down from heaven. Uh, Isn't this, isn't Jesus the son of Joseph? We know his parents. We know where he came from. So how can he claim to have come down from heaven? Jesus knows what's going on. Stop grumbling under your breaths. If the father who sent me does not draw you, then there's no way you can come to me. But I will resurrect everyone who does come on the last day. Among the prophets is written, everyone will be taught of God. So everyone who has heard and learned from the Father finds me. No one has seen the Father except the one sent from God. He has seen the Father. I am telling you the truth. There it is again. I am telling you the truth. The one who accepts these things has eternal life. I am the bread that gives life. Just in case you missed it the first time. Verse 49. Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness, and they died, as you know. But there is another bread that comes from heaven. If you eat this bread, you will not die. I am the living bread that has come down from heaven to rescue those who eat it. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. The bread that I will give breathes life into the cosmos. This bread is my flesh. Okay, now you might be thinking the same thing. The rest of the crowd that you're sitting in is thinking. The low whispers continues. the low whispers of some of Jesus' detractors turned into an out-and-out debate. What is He talking about? How is he able to give us his flesh to eat? This is getting weird. Yeah. You're thinking the same thing they're thinking. What are you talking about? Jesus? This doesn't make any sense. Now Jesus was talking symbolically, not literally. He's not like, "Hey, it's cannibalism time. Come and take a bite. Uh, look again at verse 35. He already hinted at all this. I am the bread that gives life. If you come to my table and eat, you'll never go hungry. Believe in me, you'll never go thirsty. So come if you're hungry. Believe if you're thirsty. Are you feeling empty? Are you parched? Eat and drink. So flesh and blood is an offering to you. You must receive it and internalize it. I know it's a weird analogy, guys, but just stick with me here. You need what I have, and you need the most deepest part of who I am. You need the most vulnerable aspect. I am going to give this for you. I'm going to give this for you. Jesus and his death go hand in hand. He can't talk about the kingdom of God and everything without acknowledging what he was there to do. And a big part of it was to die as a sacrifice and come back to life to make a way for us. So, Uh, Paul reminds his church of this as well. 1 Corinthians 1, 23, 24. We proclaim a crucified Jesus, God's anointed. For Jews, this is scandalous. For outsiders, this is moronic. I love that. But for those of us living out God's call, regardless of our Jewish or Greek heritage, we know the anointed embodies God's dynamic power and God's deep wisdom. Foolishness, right? If you don't believe, it will not make sense. He's just saying he wants us to be zombies and vampires. That's all he's really saying. It doesn't make sense. But if you believe, if you are trying to trust Jesus, he can unlock truths that don't look like on the surface they make sense because there's something deeper. And so he keeps going and as we start to kind of bring this close, he's, he's, he's uh, bringing it all together. In verse 55 he says, my flesh and blood provide true nourishment. If you eat my flesh and drink my blood you will abide in me and I will abide in you. The Father of life who sent me has given life to me. And as you eat my flesh, I will give life to you. I know it's still weird, but this is bread that came down from heaven. I am not like the manna that your fathers ate and then died. If you eat this bread, your life will never end. He spoke these words in the synagogue as part of his teaching mission in Capernaum. Many disciples heard what he said, and they had questions of their own. Fair. Uh, disciples, his disciples, his closest. How are we supposed to understand all of this? It's a hard teaching. So if you're still just like, I still don't get it. I'm just nodding because I think the person beside me gets it more than me. It's okay. The disciples right there with him didn't get it. It's a hard teaching. And Jesus was aware that even his disciples were murmuring about this. Has my teaching offended you? Has my teaching offended you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascend to return to where he came from? Jesus is saying, do you think life was going to be easy? That I'm just going to dump bread on you and everything's going to be perfect? Man, there's so much more to my kingdom than filling you with carbs. Following Jesus is not about filling your tummy or your wallet or even your love bank. I'm just so filled with with good feelings. Those are fine things. But following Jesus about being filled with power and wisdom and grace and the mercy of Christ and filled with his spirit for something bigger in this world. Verse 63, Jesus continues, the spirit brings life, the flesh has nothing to offer. The words I've been teaching you are spirit and life, but some of you don't believe. This is why I've been telling you that no one comes to me without the Father's blessing and guidance. And the sad verse which i always find was kind of interesting you know maybe you've heard the mark of the beast 666 john 666 after hearing these teachings after hearing these teachings many of his disciples walked away and no longer followed jesus not everyone will People realize the hype over Jesus as a political liberator, it's not going to happen the way they thought. The box we were trying to put Jesus in, it's different. He won't fit in my box. And he's not going to fight off Rome. He's not making any more sourdough. Why am I even still here? He's clearly not handing out any free more meals. That's why I was here. His teaching is hard. His claims are extreme. Who could accept and obey and be associated with that? But being a disciple and a follower of Jesus does not guarantee you will always seek your satisfaction in him. You have a choice. You can walk away from God. Jesus knows it. He turns to his... Twi- Just, I think, sums it up so well. He's always the first to sp- respond anyways. But, Lord, if we were to go, whom would we follow? You speak the words that give everlasting life. We believe and recognize you are the Holy One sent by God. Guys, a path is difficult and it doesn't always make sense, but the best things in life usually are Difficult. And we've tried what this world has to offer and their bread has no significant or nutritional value of lasting substance there's lots to enjoy but we're not going to find our fulfillment in it we are hungry and thirsty for something deeper and jesus is the only one who can satisfy your deepest hunger your deepest thirst are you like peter in the 12 can you make it to the end see jesus pushed this right at the end after so many had walked away And we'll see people in our lives that are just going to walk away from Jesus after a a little bit or a long time. It's sad. But can we be the ones that push through the end to discover the real Jesus? I know this is hard. I know I don't always get it. But there's something more here. And Jesus, I'm going to stick around and find out. Because I believe, even if I don't fully understand, I believe you are who I need. You are the essence of life. You are the bread of life. And as we get ready to wrap up, you know, I want to remind you, only Jesus can fulfill the desires in our heart for righteousness. 2 Corinthians 5.21, The anointed one who had never experienced sin became sin for us, so that in him we might embody the very righteousness of God. Man, when Jesus died on that cross and that's what he was getting at, it's I'm the bread, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be broken, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through this. You have to receive my death is a big part of it. You've gotta, you've gotta embrace that, that, that the crucifixion and the resurrection, they matter. That's what everything is built on so that I could make a way to bring freedom to you and to make all things new. And if you believe you will have the bread of life, can we stand up? So the last question then that I would have for us is, What do we do with bread? What do we do with bread? Matthew 6, 11, give us today our daily bread. Jesus is saying, here's how you pray. Here's what you ask for. Here's what you believe for. God, give us today our daily bread. Not all you can eat bread. (laughs) Like manna, just trust and obey God that he'll give you what you need. God, I receive what you have for me today. I receive the fullness of Jesus. I receive a daily dose of grace and mercy and love pouring out of me for others. You know, what's interesting is there is a practical, you might be like, I don't know how practical today's message is. Well, sometimes we just got to get deep in us. But if you actually look at that full sentence there, the full verse, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Man, you're going to feel the most satisfied the closer you are to Jesus and also when you walk in forgiveness from God, and for others it begins to come out of us this bread that is sustaining us it's flowing out of us for others so i want to invite us to pray today you know you might be here and you've never said yes to jesus in a very real way you've never like fully you've been kind of part of the crowd waiting for the handout today's your day to not just wait for a handout it's it's your time to say I'm all in Jesus. Whether I get it fully or not, I want to. I in my heart I believe that you are who you say you are. Then I want to invite you to pray. And uh, why don't you just close your eyes and let's just say this together. Say Jesus, I'm here. I haven't walked away, even when it's hard. Please reveal yourself to me. Let me find true satisfaction in you alone. Fill me with your daily bread the fullness of who you are so I can live from that fullness a life of mercy and grace and forgiveness and love and power and wisdom. I give my life to you. You gave your life for me. I receive it now. You are the bread. Amen. Amen. He is the fullness of all we need. Let's celebrate.